We weren't recording that all the time. Told you, two bottle podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome. Hello, I am Chris Searles. Good evening. I am John Finnerty. Well, it might not be evening. You don't know when anybody's listening to this. Well, it's evening for us. It's evening for us. Uh, we are the messengers. This week or this uh, day, this episode, we are talking about social ROI. Uh, why nobody seems to know what that really means. <laughs> or why nobody's doing it. <laughs> yeah. Um, so this episode was actually really kind of inspired by a conversation I just had uh, recently with a uh, potential new client um, where a uh, startup, you know, new business and, and really had never done any social media and, you know, anything on social media and started paying a firm to buy likes. And when I started wondering why, what that meant, and and uh, really asking some of the tougher questions about why are you doing that? What's the goal? What are you going to do with those likes? How does that actually equate to dollars and cents in your bank account? The answer was, well, we're just trying to build a brand. We're, you know, we're not really worried about that right now. We're trying to build our brand. Uh, and the bottom line is your brand doesn't mean anything if you can't sell anything. So, um, you know, I really just right away was just kind of like, you know, this is something that we might need to talk about a little bit on the podcast because it's it's like any other advertising, marketing. I mean, it, you're doing it for a reason. You're doing it so you can sell product. And if you can't figure out what the return on that is, and or at least have some sort of an idea of how you're going to monetize that and how you're going to turn those people into customers, what's the point? I agree 100%. And the Good. One th- end of podcast. Yeah. <laughs> See you guys later. The one thing that I always ask every client that I'm speaking with is what is your overall goal? What Mm -hmm. do you want to get out of the end of this campaign? What is it that you guys are trying to achieve? If it's a total branding and awareness message, great, fine. I always like to attribute, even with those branding and awareness type campaigns, I like to attribute some type of what is that overall metric of success? What is that key performance indicator KPI as we refer to it? What is that KPI that is going to say, this was a successful campaign. This is the reason why I'm going to come back to you guys. This is the this is how much it's costing me to either gain a customer or this is what I'm backing out to. And, you know, large companies and agencies are very data heavy and data focused right now on all of those metrics. Um, but I can imagine it's probably a little bit tougher with somebody who just has no idea, sees the kind of cool flashy things that people are doing on Instagram and Facebook and, you know, from a small business standpoint, and they want to be in that arena playing with the the same big brands that they're just going to get rolled over because there's just no type of monetization that's happening for them. I think it's, uh, it's interesting because, you know, when you talk about how, how, data driven all these big brands and agencies are right now um on the other side most small businesses don't measure anything they don't well i mean uh, that might be an overgeneralization i mean but you know from from my experience with a lot of local smaller businesses uh that's that's 
a huge, huge area where they lack is that they're not even measuring it, let alone worrying about what they're measuring and and whether it's the right thing to measure and what those results are and, um, you know, what is that converting to on the other end? And uh, so I think you got, you got a little bit of both. I think the, the big agencies, big businesses, a lot of times they focus on vanity metrics instead of real, you know, stuff that really matters. You know, I don't really care how many fans you have on Facebook, how many of those people are actually buying your product. If they're just following you because you're putting out cool content and they just want to see that content, but they don't really care about your product at all, then then what's the point? Yeah, I think engagement me- metrics, which is kind of what you're referring to, right? Those engagement metrics of people liking, people you know retweeting or reposting or <clears throat> sharing with their other friends. And I think those are important in a sense, to just the overall followers of your brand. Cause you do want to build a community that you can message to and you want to put out good content. Um, but if there is, if you're have a specific product or service that you're trying to sell and trying to, you know, run a business around, you know, well, yes, it's important in a sense, but if that's not equating to anybody who's actually purchasing or buying anything and generating you revenue, then you might want to refocus or put your efforts towards a little different marketing approach. And the, you know, I don't I don't want it to come off like a, like I'm saying your social media engagement means nothing, right? I mean, there's delete all of your accounts. Yeah, exactly. I mean, there's, you know, there's obviously there's there's some common sense that goes into that, and there's but the, I think the point is there's got to be a bigger a bigger plan behind what you're doing, why you're doing that beyond just how many likes a post gets and how many, you know, how many retweets your, your tweet gets. Uh, it's, there's gotta be something else that's, that's driving that, you know, you're doing that for a reason. Um, and sometimes, you know, paying for or however you decide to pay for them, but, but, you know, paying for likes and paying for that kind of stuff, you know, sometimes that makes a lot of sense. I mean, if you're, if you're really just trying to bring more exposure and, and, um, and you have a good content marketing plan, that's going to follow that up so that you can re-engage with those customers. That's great. Uh, and maybe this is part of, maybe I should have didn't explain early enough, but you know, if you're doing that and your content plan sucks and so you're buying likes and then you're serving them crap and all you're going to do is now bump down your ranking in Facebook's algorithm because all those likes you bought, nobody's engaging with your content because you're putting out garbage and you just thought, well, I'll buy a bunch of likes and I'm going to pay somebody to post a bunch of links, you know, every day and think that that's going to be my social media strategy. It doesn't work that way. Like you're going to do more harm than good at that point. Yeah, I think, and well, I think about it this way, right? So you have a content marketing strategy. You want to build that community. You want to build that audience, right? So, but that's the key is having a strategy, strategy, having a content marketing strategy. And then uh, just around that, you know, getting people and obviously the more people like it, as, as you mentioned, you know, getting into different algorithms with all these social networks and how they rank things and, um, you know, the, the score that they place against you as, you know, a, a content driving business, um, 
or business handle or business page, whatever it is, whatever social media network you're in. I think the overall thing is, you know, that that content and that strategy and, and putting out good content to build that audience to people who are, you know, your primary target audience uh, that they'll share with other people who are like minded like them, who will also like your content all goes around to the right communication methods to then getting into, all right, I now have all this cool content. I feature all this stuff, or I'm talking about the stuff that I want to sell to these perspective, this perspective community that I'm building. You know, now does that lead into maybe not paying for likes because I have good content, but now I'm paying for some type of advertising within one of those social networks to help increase and to now deliver an advertising, you know, say coupon message or, you know, some type of actionable message to those users that I've just built all of my content and curated my and built my whole community around. So, you know, I guess what approach, I mean, listen, if you have shitty content, but you're running ads, you know, people probably always going to come back to saying, well, you know, I'm not quite sure what the message is and what you stand for or what you're trying to do. You know, you're just trying to sell me a product that, you know, I have just no brand. I have no affinity towards it, you know, or, and I see it a lot with a lot of the same competitive like companies in on particularly Facebook that because you like or you follow one company, you just get bombarded with ads or, you know, content or in, in information based around this other company. So um, I don't know. I mean, I guess I, I shoot that question back to you a little bit more as to, you know, when you're talking about content marketing and, and social ROI, you know, is it more, are you talking about it more of driving an ROI on your investment from the content you put out or to build that content to then lead into some of those other marketing efforts? Well, and that, that is the question, right? That's, that's kind of the whole point is, is that whatever the answer to that question is for your business, you've thought about it, you know, because that is going to be, it's going to be a different answer for different people. You can talk about somebody that, that buys a lot of likes and puts out content that's really related to the product and the service and the business that they run. And their ROI on that is, look, I need 10,000 people that are interested in that. I want to identify 10,000 people that are interested in that that kind of concept and that idea, that brand, uh, or that, that message that I'm putting out there. And from there, now I can run lookalike audience ads on Facebook because I'm now going to target far more than just the 10,000 likes I was able to generate through that, you know, through that. But now I can look at the people who actually followed me because of the content that I was put, putting out there and I can run a look like audience and I can say, okay, now I'm going to multiply the scope of who I can engage with and market with. So the ROI on that campaign of getting, you know, 10,000 followers and 10,000 likes was the ability to market to 
a hundred thousand like-minded people on a regular basis from there and then be able to convert that at some point to sales, right? Because that's great. And if that's your plan and, and you do a great job of bringing on a bunch of likes right away and you build your lookalike audiences and you're selling ads or buying ads and, and, you know, and, Getting pushing, that out there, product, put, yeah, right. pushing product. But are you moving product? Yeah. And if you did all that work and nothing's going, you're not you're not shipping anything. What is the ROI on all that work and all that effort that you put in? Your your plan might have executed phenomenally up until that point when somebody had to actually click that buy button and give you their credit card number and make a purchase. Yeah, but I think and you just kind of touched on going back to. You know, probably about what ten minutes ago, when you said that a lot of these small businesses, from a data standpoint, don't look or they don't they don't track that whole process to getting that person there, right? Mm-hmm. So that's a big disconnect. Which, you know, a lot of the large companies and you know, my area of expertise is, you know, these companies are doing that. They, it, I mean, it's just data fucking overload. Pardon my French. Uh, but there is so much and the way I see the whole data, I, I guess the, the whole view of data and how much data is out there to make an actionable decision on which direction you want to go, you know, listen, having a lot of good data is great. Being able to analyze it and being able to, being able to make the right decision off of it is very difficult mm-hmm. because in my and the people who I work with and all of my clients, they just, it's either one extreme or another. And maybe sometimes for what I'm trying to, the strategy and the approach and the solution that I'm trying to bring them towards just doesn't work because they have data that's either opposing that, but I'm giving them a very logical reason based on the information and the, you know, research that I've done for their their, their target audience. So, you know, I think it's really good to have a blank canvas and to help lead clients like you work with along that data journey and really pulling out the key data points that are going to make them help, you know, help them make the better decision where on the reverse side, sometimes a lot of that data and a lot of the ROI, what is a true ROI for these big brands that run a shit ton of money in, you know, uh, content creation, paid advertising on social media because everything else is it's such a convoluted and really mixed up world of what their true return on investment is well and it's it's hard now because you have you have a lot of the metrics that people relied on for so long that you know nielsen ratings yeah right what's a nielsen rating really worth anymore when you have DVR views when you're skipping ads or you have people that are pirating a lot of that content on, you know, on, on through, I'm not, maybe I shouldn't use names on how people are pirating content, but, um, yeah, but they're streaming things through a number of different sources that they, you know, are not getting straight from the exactly. cable provider. And, you know, and how long did it take for Nielsen ratings to adjust a little bit to account for a lot of that stuff? And not only that, but that data was there. I mean, when you're talking about the, the ability to, to measure how many people actually recorded a 
television show and then watch that television yeah. show and then even be able to figure out they fast forwarded through your commercial. They never saw your commercial. I mean, the ability to do that stuff is there, but it certainly took a long time for it to get anywhere near, you know, close to what was really happening. And once that happened, now you're looking at all of these extra data points. So just to interject there, yeah. you just described perfectly the first party data versus the third party data, mm -hmm. <laughs> right? Having first party data, which a lot of these brands and these companies already have and collect based on, you know, whether they're running television ads or whether, whether they're running, you know, any online ads, <clears throat> they're getting all of that information directly into their their system and platform based on what they're running on. Nielsen just comes along and says, hey, well, we're going to be the industry standard because we've mandated this and we've got enough people on board to stand behind us and say, this is the direction we're going. So our data has to be followed and it's going to be used industry-wide and nobody else is going to compete with us or nobody else is going to tell us different. And when the results we give you are going to be the most important results and this is how you should base everything off of, even if it's directly contradicting contradictory your to, to your own data that you, that you collect. So well, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you no, off. No, no, no. I think that's part of the problem, right? Is now, now you've gotten to the point where, where it's the opposite end of the spectrum, where there's so much data available and nobody really knows what to do with it. They don't really know how to process it very well. And, and, um, I know there are a lot of people tackling that problem on a regular basis especially on the on the the big side because that's where most of the money is on the the small business side of things it's you know you're kind of on your own at this point there's a lot of data that you can collect if you know how to do that but to somebody that it's overwhelming started a landscaping business 30 years ago and runs a really successful landscaping business but that's what they know to have that person have to try to now sit down and figure out how to collect analytics data for their website to have to collect data about their audience on Facebook collect data about their audience on Twitter somehow marry all that together with the results they're getting from the radio spots that they've been running for years that work and they work well for them or yeah. the local TV spots that they run and figure all that out and then try to marry that together and figure out which one of those is providing the best return on their investment and all that kind of stuff. I mean, there's no, nobody's going to do that. Well, it's extremely overwhelming. It's out of what their particular expertise is in the business that they have. But it's also very important for them to at least, you know, learn, get a, do a little bit of research on. But really, ultimately, it's making that decision on which data points am I going to use to help influence the direction that I go into building out my next, you know, radio ad or online ad or, you know, TV commercial. So helping and getting a little bit of advice off of somebody, and I recommend this to all business owners, is to find out, ask other people, hey, what are you doing? with your with your website what data are you collecting that's helping you make the best decisions find the people who you currently follow online you know the businesses that you you like and you enjoy try to figure out and kind of do a little homework on what works what do you think what do you like about what they're doing and then find out hey reach out to them there i mean you could 
direct message any one of these brand or the, any one of these uh, companies and businesses and just say, listen, what are the metri- metrics that you're tracking on your back end to help drive the results and performance of your efforts and, and content that you put out, uh, as well as anything that you're doing from a paid perspective? So the resources are there. And I think that's the beauty of social, right? Everybody's at your disposal. And if a business owner comes back and is like, no, I'm not going to share that data with you. Well, screw them. Go find somebody, go find another business owner who will be open and willing to do it. Well, and I think the, you know, one of the important aspects is defining, you know, when you start to talk about ROI, you know, defining what that means for you ahead of time. before you actually embark and say, okay, I know I need a Facebook page or I know I need an Instagram account because it's super popular and I'm just not there and I need to be there. What's the reason? Or you don't need to be there. Well, exactly. And that's what I'm saying. So, So to define what that ROI is, you know, what really ahead of time, figure out why, why am I going to do this? Because it's, you know, it, it needs to bring me this uh, on the back end. This is what I need to get out of that in order to make the amount of time and effort and money and just lack of focusing on everything else I have to do worthwhile. Yeah. And it's kind of, it's almost like business 101, right? So knowing what it costs to acquire a customer, knowing mm-hmm. what the product or services that you have, how much does that cost? How much does that cost you? What kind of, what are your margins? Where do you need to run if you're going to do a paid media program and in, in whatever medium that is, what do you need in order for it to deliver a successful, profitable revenue number for your efforts? Right. And for whatever, whatever you place it on. And so, what's the time frame? Right. Because how long a, does that, it take? Yeah. Right. And that's the big, the big factor too, because some of that stuff takes a while. You know, if you start looking well, at. Yeah. You're, you know, we're sitting here in your office and you guys have these, you know, huge printing machines that, you know, I'm sure that's not a, you know, well, well. I'm going to go out and just, you know, make a decision and yeah. pick that one. And that's the one I'm going to buy. No, you're going to do a, re- a lot of research on it. It's going to be a long buying cycle as, you know, as opposed to, uh, you know, a landscaping business, let's say, right, who will have and know I charge $30 a, 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 a cut for every person that I, you know, for the houses that I that I do. That's what it's going to be. I'm here three times a week or whatever, I'm sorry, four times a month, right? So you know that at the end of the day, that's costing you 120 bucks uh, in revenue that you're going to get. And I mean, you know that it's just labor, but from a, from a decision-making side of things, if somebody's lawn is growing long and they're not, they don't have the time to do it, you know, I think from, in that example, just driving around and just putting a flyer in somebody's mailbox saying like, Hey, we can help you out. Could probably generate a pretty good ROI. Now is that being social? Eh, maybe not. Maybe that's being a little bit more of that traditional way of just putting a flyer in the mailbox or but more guerrilla marketing or yeah. That. Right. I guess if you went and you knocked on the door and said, Hey, listen, your mm-hmm. grass is really, long. <laughs> that is kind of, <laughs> your being, lawn looks that, like that's shit. kind of being social. Yeah. Right. So, um, but again, you know, it's just all going back to attributing what, does that, what, what numbers do you look at in order to do that? And to your point, what is that buying cycle? Cause it, that's varies across every product or service that businesses have. So if you have a short buying cycle, you want to get into those, 
those social networks that are going to give you a quick, immediate action. What's the, you know, somebody's going to buy, you know, within a day or two because they need that product or you've made it very attractive for them to, for them to want that product. So yeah, timing is, uh, is key. So I think, you know, as we move on into this social ROI type discussion, um, I think it's kind of cool to point out that there are, there are businesses that do this really, really well. Right. And to your point, and maybe it's some of those, it's not even, it doesn't matter what size of the business is. There's somebody, there's some businesses who just, you know, big, small, medium, they, they just don't do it well. Right. So what would you, or how would you guide them saying, if I'm a customer, I come to you and I'm like, Hey, I'm a mid-sized business. I do X amount of revenue per year, but I really want to increase it, you know, to this X percent in this next year, I'm looking at, you know, really getting into and putting a heavy focus on Instagram and Snapchat, or I've been hearing a lot about these influencers. So with the (laughs) influencers where, you know, what would you say to them off of, off of that type of the setup? Who's your audience? Who are you trying to target? Right. I mean, that's, you know, step one is, is who are you trying to reach? Um, and, and what is the underlying message that you try to deliver through all of your, all of your marketing through, you know, what, from your business, right? What is that message you're trying to deliver and who are you trying to get to? And then from there, it's a lot easier to pick, you know, your, your channel once you have that defined. Um, and then kind of goes back to just what we've been talking about. Great. That's what you want to do. And, and, you know, if you're able to dedicate the resources to do that, well, that's fantastic. What's going to make it successful? Why, what, or what is your definition of success for that, for, for what we're going to do, what you want to do? How long do we have to deliver the results that we're, that we're going to define as what will make this campaign successful. Uh, And I think a lot of people just don't, they don't take those most basic steps first and they kind of jump into that stuff saying, well, Instagram's a monster right now. Everybody's on Instagram. It's, you know, it's, it should be a huge part of your marketing strategy. So we just need to be there and let's pay somebody to just put a bunch of content on Instagram for us because we have to be there rather than, really taking the time up front to decide what is that content going to be? What's it going to look like? How frequently are we going to post it? You know, all of those questions that need to be answered. And then from there, how do we convert those people on Instagram to Mm -hmm. customers of our business? Because at some point you have to do that. You can't just build a huge Instagram following and call it a day without actually converting any of those people to customers because what's the point you know unless your job is marketing on Instagram where somebody's going to pay you to market their product and hopefully you know that'll work out for them as a way to to drive sales then just having a big Instagram following is meaningless it doesn't yeah. do anything for you if you don't have any way to convert and you raise a good point and i think picking the right channel right is key mm-hmm. where uh, I deal with clients and in, in, in an industry that is so 
jump on the bandwagon. Hey, these guys are doing it. We need to be there too. Or let's just put all of our, you know, paid social efforts and, and dollars into Facebook, Instagram, and Pinterest and all these, you know, really popular social media mediums. And I think they lose track of on the back end what that really costs to to get those messages out there on a, a large reach and scale level. Uh, and they're not identifying what is driving the true ROI for them. As well as I think, you know, so in, in well, it's, yeah. and, you know, that that's important because when you talk about, you know, your return, your ROI has another aspect of it, too, which is your investment. And to do that stuff right, I think there's a, a misconception in general about a lot of these digital mediums uh, because you're not investing in the platform. Right. I can create a Facebook page for free. I can create an Instagram account for free. I already have a cell phone that I need or a computer that I need to manage those accounts. You know, all that kind of stuff is quote unquote free that there's not really an accounting a lot of times. And and again, I'm talking more from a, from what I see with smaller businesses, but of what the real investment is to create the content necessary to be successful on those platforms. And it's not easy. You know, I remember back when, when blogging kind of first started being a thing that people were talking about and, and um, content marketing, the term didn't even exist. Uh, but you know, it was, it was blogging. Everything was a blog when, when you were talking about kind of producing content, putting it up on your website. And I talked more people out of content marketing at the time and, and, you know, what we'd call blogging. And every time I use the term blog, it always scared people off anyway. But, um, I talked more people out of it than I ever talked into it, even though I knew that it meant less revenue for me. If I was, you know, this was before the days even of WordPress being really, anything. Um, I knew that it meant that I was giving up a sale, but it wasn't the right solution for that client because I knew there was no way in hell after they posted two articles that that thing was going to get touched for two years. And because they had no idea what it really was going to take to produce content that anybody really cared to read and wanted to see. And that part of the investment aspect of it uh, is something that needs to be accounted for. And it's uh, that I think a lot, especially on the small business side, that small businesses don't account for either lost time, their staff, that they're going to have to to spend, yeah. you know, producing content and taking pictures and writing or posting or engaging with their following and their fans. You know, just the fact that once you have that presence, those people are going to use that as a way to communicate with your business. And if you don't have somebody monitoring that account and paying attention to it and able to access and respond, then it's it's pointless. You shouldn't even be there in the first place. Yeah. I think return on your time is probably one of the most difficult things to measure mm -hmm. out of anything, right? Because, you know... You have to value your time. Sometimes I sit there and it takes me two minutes to write an email, or sometimes it takes me maybe 20 minutes to write an email because my thoughts and, the, you know, I'm curating all of and tailoring my messaging towards the audience and the prospective client that I want to reach and the business that I want to win. And I 
thinking about what that content is and how do I engage these people and how do I get these people right, right back to me? How do I get them to book a meeting with me? So all of those things go into it, but really, you know, I don't attribute my, my time in my total, in my, in my overall return, which it's probably hard to do, but you do need to account for how long does it take you to put this stuff together and put, get this stuff out. Then obviously once you get it out, how does then all of the obviously number metrics and, and, and data that comes along with that get, get factored into it. And it's a little bit easier to read, but you got to still be conscious of, Hey, it took me, you know, I don't know, three months to get this information together in order to then make X amount of money off of it on the back end. So um, one thing, and I think I brought it up a little bit was, and this kind of gets lumped into the social ROI topic, is that influencer marketing. And I just want to touch on that real briefly. And um, I actually, I submitted a, just a thought piece into Forbes. I'm I'm part of this uh, Forbes agency council where it's just a group of like-minded people like ourselves that can contribute and we can, um, they put out a lot of different topics each month. uh, And one of them was what advice you would give to a brand or even any business into looking for the right influencer to team up with. And I don't know it's more probably relevant or prevalent for me from a big brand side, because again, influencers is like the new buzz and like getting things out and taking advantage of the audiences that these people have built. But, you know, my main thing on there on that back end is what are these influencers giving you in return? What are they driving in terms of revenue for your business that you got that any brand or business can measure against. And I'm just curious and how much that comes up on your side of things or these people see somebody who have who has two million followers because and they represent competitive brands that they that they have uh, that they're in the same industry with which direction do you go with, with those guys? So it's uh it's interesting the way that you kind of frame that from the beginning, which was that that influencer marketing is probably much more relevant to big brands and big businesses. And I think that that kind of view of it is one of the problems with small businesses and the way they market themselves these days, because that's absolutely untrue that a small business and even a small local business, you know, because small business can mean a lot of different things, right? You know, small and, and small business. I think the definition of a small business is like up to like something like 200 employees or yeah. half a billion dollars in sales or, or, or $200 million in sales, something, something crazy. Yeah. Or I think so, or maybe like 50 million. And sa- I forget yeah, exactly it's... what the metrics are. Um, but I think it's something like that. And, you know, to a lot of people, a 200 person company is not a small business and it really isn't a small business. But as far as the government's concerned and what they define as what a small business is, that would be considered a small business. So small business can mean a lot of different things. It can mean, you know, a local mom and pop mm-hmm. retailer, but it, it could also mean a small business that sells nationwide and they just make a product that just hasn't grown 
to an extent where it's a big company and a big corporation anymore. So first thing is to kind of define which one of those categories that you fall into, right? Am I a local area, you know, kind of brand? Is that, you know, is it, do I have a store that's just going to only focus on people that are in my area from there it's really easy to find people that are influencers within your area uh, there are plenty of people that post just local content no matter where you are and what you do there's a lot of people that do that because there are a lot of people that then identify just with that area that you're producing content for and there's no reason that you can't find somebody like that who might only have 10,000 followers on Instagram but those are 10,000 people that you weren't reaching before and it's not going to cost you a lot of money to reach them now because that person's probably not getting approached by many other people if any they're probably doing it because they just enjoy it they're just looking for new content exactly to put out exactly and if you all of a sudden come across and say look i'll pay you a little bit of money to to drop my product into one of your shots every once in a while or whatever you know however you make that arrangement you know i feel like those opportunities are actually more available because there's less people taking advantage of them you have anybody that's got 50 million followers or or 5 million followers or whatever on Instagram is trying to monetize that account in some way. They're going after other people to say, look, this is what I have. This is the audience I have. Pay me. Where when you have somebody that's going to cover, whether it's even if it's just a niche and it might be nationwide or worldwide or, or whatever, but it might be in your particular niche and they only have 20,000 followers, 15,000 followers, that's somebody that's not necessarily looking or at least right now not thinking that they're going to be able to monetize that following. But if you can get in early and you can get on board and you can find a way to take advantage of that, that's absolutely an area where small businesses can take advantage. The problem is that most of them aren't willing to put in the time that it takes to find those accounts in the first place right? and then do the work of actually reaching out and finding creative ways to get their content included as part of that strategy. Yeah. And well, and just to go along that thought process is, you know, really what if they do spend money on it how much is it going to be right and then what are these and most of them have no idea what that starting point is so when even when you pursue these people who are quote-unquote influencers or have big followings and listen if you're going to get somebody with a large following that's going to just like your product and do it for no cost great that's no (laughs) that's no no skin off your back right that's just instant profitability right there for any any incremental sales that come in from that person putting out your message but in the cases where and i see it a lot with these you know larger influencers and the main question being well what do you what do you look for when you are approaching an influencer in your category of business to team up with to promote your product and my main thing that i said immediately was Listen, if that influencer doesn't run their accounts like a business, probably don't want to get into business mm-hmm. with them because no matter how how big their follower their followership is, every influencer should treat it like a business. Know what those core metrics are. Know what the data is. Know mm-hmm. what the cost of conversion rate off of the messages that they've put out, maybe for similar products, maybe for different products, but just overall what their what that what those 
those data points are to yeah that they to, have a handle on the to, product that they're selling yeah to give to the uh, a new brand or a new product or service that they're hopefully going to promote yeah. right so if they don't have those back end numbers i would heavily advise against any type of influencer who's just says hey and just leans on their overall community message personality I, I would say run the other direction quick. Do not spend your money with anybody who's asking you for 10, 15, 5, 10, 15, 20,000 dollars to get your to leverage their audience. Not worth it because you're not going to see any bit of return on that on the back end. But the person who sits there and says, well, listen, this is $15,000. Here's what I'm going to get you for $15,000. Here's what my typical conversion rate is for the products that I represent. This is what the numbers look like. Does this make financially sense to you as somebody who's going to place your money in me to get your product and message out yeah. there? Yeah, I mean, it's like any other ad channel at that point right? right is again it all comes back to and i think you know we can kind of wrap it up with this but kind of the the general theme which is you know define your your timeline ahead of time define what your what your success metrics are going to be ahead of time before you start doing any of it uh, make sure you have a clearly defined plan of of not only what successful it looks like but how you're going to get there yeah you got to put everything on a roadmap, set a plan, and then move towards executing it. All right. Well, thanks for joining us again. I'm Chris Searles. I am John Finnerty. And we are the messengers. Have a good night. Good night, guys.